0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I want to tell you about a couple Niagara Moon gigs we have coming up. On Thursday, July 27th, we're playing at the Connor Byrne in Ballard. Opening for us is Craig Marker, followed by the singer-songwriter Maurice. Show starts at 8 p.m. and is $8, 21 plus. And just two days later, on Saturday, July 29th, Niagara Moon is opening for Subtle Triumph at their album release show in the Lo-Fi Performance Gallery in Eastlake, along with the Echo Larks, whom I will be featuring for next week's episode. Anyway, that show starts at 9 p.m., and the cover is $10. That's also going to be $21+. For the Connor Byrne show, we'll have the whole band, but at Lo-Fi, we'll be missing our drummer, Mark, so our sound setup will be a little different then. But both shows should still be a blast, so I definitely suggest you try to make it out to at least one if you're in Seattle. I put links to both shows in the episode description. Alrighty, on with the show. You're listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer-songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at NiagaraMoonMusic.com. For episode 28, we have Christopher Israel Bishop from Subtle Triumph. Subtle Triumph is a four-piece alternative rock band from Seattle known for their intricate layers of sound, introspective lyrics, and riveting live performances. Christopher is their primary songwriter, as well as the vocalist, guitarist, and occasional keyboardist. Their debut album, A Better Host, comes out on July 29th at that lo-fi release show that I just mentioned. So you're going to hear my chat with Chris in a second, but first I'm going to play you the Subtle Triumph song, Creatures.
1: right.
2: yeah you bet yeah
0: <laughs> thanks for coming today, Chris uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> Hope it didn't take you too long to get here. no, wasn't bad at all. I guess we'll start with uh what made you want to start playing music
2: gosh uh actually that's that's pretty easy um definitely growing up with my family there was I was always surrounded by uh, musical instruments and just music in general. Um, it was actually a, a big commune that started here in the Northwest. So uh, I was always surrounded by music. And then what really did it for me, which is, it's sort of, I guess, cheesy and funny, but it was definitely, it was it was, I think I was 12 or 11. And I remember I was driving home with my mother and on the radio played Smells Like Teen Spirit, mm-hmm. and I just, it hooked me, like, right away. And I was like, what is this? I couldn't, I was like, this is amazing. Just got that that feeling where I was like, I have to be able to do this. And I went inside, and my mom handed me uh, Nevermind and, and told me about the band. And and then from then on, I, I got a guitar, I think, maybe just a few months later and started
0: playing. So, yeah. So you're from Washington State? Yeah,
2: I am, yeah. I was, uh, I was born here in Seattle and grew up in Snohomish, which is like a... Big, small town, 30
0: minutes, 40 minutes north of Seattle. Yeah, so Kurt Cobain, he's like the voice of this area. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I definitely was one of those uh, fans that got way too under Nirvana, and I probably don't listen much anymore, but it definitely uh, it helps mar- like spark my yeah. musical interest. <laughs> I think of
0: all the bands to be really into when you're in middle school, Nirvana's not bad on that spectrum. <laughs> right, yeah. You can do a lot worse than that. <laughs> right,
2: Yeah. <laughs> Nothing super cool that I was listening to. I was like, Whoa, how did that middle schooler find that band?
0: <laughs> so were you in middle school when you came across their music? Yeah, was-
2: yeah. So I was uh yeah, I was twelve and it was right when I was getting to middle school. And uh, and yeah, that just did it for me. I learned that's pretty much I just started learning every single Nirvana song and, and went from there. That's why I definitely I think the music I play there's a really big focus on melodies. Mm-hmm. I think like structurally it's pretty basic generally, with a few things a few here and there to change it up. But uh, melodies always like resonate really strongly with me. That that hook, you know, just something that just
0: just catches you. Yeah, Nirvana's really big into that. Mm-hmm. Like you might get fooled with their kind of punk. Like gritty er, aesthetic, right. but they're always about the hook. Oh yeah, yeah. They write like punk version of pop songs, basically. right? Oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so you started playing guitar, and that Nirvana is a great band to emulate when you're learning guitar because yeah, a lot of those riffs are too hard.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was funny. My I have a brother who's just a year younger than me. We started playing music at the same time, and my influence was Nirvana, his was like classic rock bands like Zeppelin and uh, ACDC. So. Uh, technically he became much more skilled <laughs> you yeah. know it's just funny to see like what you start to learn like if as long as if you're not taking lessons and you're just listening to music and that's where you're going off of uh you know nirvana was really basic and then my brother got really good at you know soloing stuff like that which wasn't a big focus for nirvana songs
0: <laughs> yeah or the solo would just be the melody exactly thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got into guitar and then when did you start writing songs Pretty quickly.
2: Uh, I, I think just wanting to write and create songs um, came about right away. Um, I, I would say probably maybe just a few months after playing, I probably started to try and write songs. And even I even actually can remember the first song I ever wrote with the first band I was in, which was when I was 12. I met um, a guy who just lived down the street. And he played drums, and it was just sort of, we started, his parents were cool with us playing in the garage, and that's where that began for my first band. I think we were called something ridiculous like Sons of Anarchy or or Blythe or something. Like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, Trying to be uh, tough guys. <laughs>
2: yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started writing, uh, yeah, right away,
0: definitely. When did you start performing your music out?
2: Probably the the biggest one would have been Talent Show at uh, the end of the year in middle school. That was definitely yes, I
0: So you got on it early.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I signed up for that. And um, you had to come in and show what songs you were going to play. And I think I picked, uh, it was either between uh, Nirvana's All Apologies or Nirvana's uh, Drain You. <laughs> and uh, I think we ended up going with Drain You. and um, They approved it and approved the lyrics. So they had to check that out, of course, too. I think All Apologies didn't pass because of uh, the... Everybody, everyone is gay. Lyric, I think, in there. They're like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's gonna cut it.
0: (laughs) You just reminded me when I was briefly at like a performing arts high school, and we were gonna. It was like the rock band class, and the song I wanted to play was Sister Ray. That was a no go.
2: (laughs) 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 That was a weird 15-year-old. That's a lot cooler than Nirvana. (laughs) I
0: don't know (laughs) about. A little rough around
2: the edges. Yeah.
0: and, uh, so you're doing the band thing all through high school and yeah, stuff? Yeah, all through or?
2: high school. Yeah, my my brother and I were in a band in high school, which was, that was, uh, interesting. We were super competitive. He was only a year younger than me, so we fought probably more than we got along, which, uh, which... Oasis style. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> which was a bummer, because it was definitely, like, the closest I would ever been to, like, a Lennon-McCartney style of writing, where we each wrote as much yeah. and then worked on stuff together, and I think, um... Even vocally, our voices together were really blended uh, really well yeah, together, yeah. probably because of genetics. But... Uh yeah, so that was in high school, and we uh, we made our first album in high school. Recorded it with this guy, you know, like out in Linwood, like Dr. Noise Studios in his basement in his house, and it was really cheap to make. And we sold a ton of CDs in high school. I think we, we nice. made like over a thousand bucks, which was awesome That's to us. <laughs> a great first effort. Yeah, right. And uh, so we we all felt pretty high and mighty as being the rock band, and there was a battle of the bands they had, and and we won that. And we're like, wow, you know.
0: <laughs> so, but this was all before Subtle Triumph.
2: Yeah, this was all. Yep before Subtle Triumph. Yeah. Yeah. Um, years, years before Subtle Triumph. So, and that ended, I mean, all of this high school stuff sort of went just a few years out of high school and then sort of just fell apart. And I didn't take a, a break from music, but as far as playing in a band, it was, it was quite a break, which really bummed me out.
0: Yeah. People, that's kind of the age where you start to go off Onto a lot of different paths. Oh, yeah, and definitely. Music gets dropped yeah.
2: a lot of the time. Well, both the the members, I think they got married and had kids only, you know, a few oh, years later. It's and it was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was really early. Yeah, it was, it was pretty early. And then uh, and I had moved to Seattle, what was that, like eight or ten years ago now? And uh, just took it easy musically, I guess.
0: So do you come back to Seattle just to be in the city and have the music thing be an option down the road? Yeah,
2: or? well, um remember I was mentioning earlier, the, the commune I grew up in... Um, Well, I didn't grow up in it. It was it was existed, but a lot of the kids that I knew that were my age uh, were living in the city. And one of them said, uh, "Hey, if you want to come live with me in a house in Queen Anne, uh, we have a spot for you." And it's like I was ready for a change, so Seattle seemed like the right thing to do. I was think was seventeen or eighteen, moved out there, and then. Yeah, I always felt like musically there was, I always felt like there was a lot to do. You know, it was really easy to open up The Stranger and see what shows were playing or something and check it out. Definitely before the time you could get it on the internet and, you know, see what each band sounded like. So that's sort of weird uh, in that respect, because this would have been, well, I guess 2007 or so. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just
0: starting to take off more. Right. Yeah. 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 That must have been weird back in the day. It'd just be a mystery what you're. Getting into. Yeah. Nowadays, everybody has their calling card right there. We got our oh, SoundCloud. We got our Facebook. Just right. You can just, yeah. Know exactly w- what we <laughs> What you're what getting into. Like. Yeah. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, presentation is, is it's all about presentation these days. I think that mystery, I think that mystery was a, f- a really fun aspect about going to shows back in the day because it was like, you know what we're going to get. And even generally, if it was not totally awesome it was still just fun to see like you know when you got that one band where like wow they were cool yeah uh it was really special you know as opposed to now where you can just click 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 until you find something it's like oh i like this i'll go check this out
0: <laughs> it's kind of like if you were watching tv back in the day and you just randomly stumbled upon this awesome movie that you would have never oh heard yeah. of otherwise but you know nowadays it's like netflix or
2: yeah oh right i know and then you're spending how much time looking for <laughs> looking through that too much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my, uh, my wife and I, we, well, we weren't married
0: then. This was,
2: yeah, about, what, eight years ago now when we'd go over just to Scarecrow, just, you know, right down the
0: road. And that place is still, still going.
2: Yeah, which, the Scarecrow is I mean, that was so much fun because this was before you could just hop onto Amazon or anything and rent something, you know, it was, uh, titles that were rare and obscure and you could, uh, check those out and, yeah, it was really, really fun place, you know, a library, a visual library, so.
0: Yeah, we used to have an independent video store back where I'm from in Northampton, Pleasant Street video, and they had a whole section that was just, like, mind-bending Asian movies. That was, like, the shit when we were 15. Oh, okay. We'd have like, or we were, like, always looking for good horror movies. Yeah. And it just had oh, a great yeah. section for that, yeah. Definitely. And then, of course, they, they had to go away. And it's like a yarn store now or something, but I don't know. Who's doing it? But you got all these DVD rental stores going strong here still, like Scarecrow and then some others, like in Fremont. It's Is it okay? I, I know Scarecrow's
2: the only one that I know about. I mean, you know, Blockbuster used to be a thing, and those are all yeah. <laughs> closed down. Yeah, now. the <laughs> non-chain ones. <laughs> right. there
0: Still seem to be a few of them around. It's pretty cool. <laughs> all right, so you came to Seattle, and then like the previous band broke up. You know, sorry, what were they called again?
2: Uh, the, the, actually that that run it was musicians I played with all throughout the years, but that one was Indian Red.
0: Indian red, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: After the, so the Indian red, crayon.
0: <laughs> you made you made some 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 cash and
2: yeah, just a little bit.
0: <laughs> so then you're kind of on a break, and then what's the next thing you got into? Subtle triumph. The yeah, subtle
2: triumph was the next thing, um, and that was uh, that was several years later. I mean, that was subtle triumph. We got together. Um, well, Jason and I met on uh, it was a Craigslist thing, and. Uh, we, uh, Nothing wrong like, with that. like, yeah, like a lot of probably musicians meet. So I can't remember if it was, uh, I think he had an ad out and I think I might've responded to it and sent him some stuff. And, uh, and we just, we met up and we, you know, both didn't know what to expect. Cause this was the first person I, um, uh, or like, you know, would put an ad out to try and reach someone. And so it was, he had no idea going into it and he didn't have any, uh, material to like send to me. So yeah. it was just like going off of a uh, interest, you know, musical <laughs> interest. And, uh, he showed up and we, uh, clicked right away. So nothing, nothing crazy, you know, serial killers or crazy people. So that worked out, which both of our girlfriends were concerned about, wife and girlfriend. So they're both each, you know, my wife's like, text me as soon as he shows up, you know, and, and his girlfriend, same thing, like text me to make sure he's not a weirdo. Like, so yeah, it worked out good. And that was, uh, that was in what, October, uh, like two years ago now. And then the rest of them, um, he knew the drummer, uh, Tram, who came on board a few months later uh, in January um, of, was that, 2016 now? Yeah, and then the bass player, so basically the whole lineup had formed, uh, was all together in uh, January of 2016.
0: Okay, so you guys are quartet? Yep, quartet. Uh, mm-hmm. Guitar, guitar, bass, drums?
2: Guitar, guitar, bass, drums. Um, I'm, I'm working my way through playing keys. I play keys on a few songs, and that's been a lot of fun.
0: So, mm-hmm. and uh, are you the the only singer?
2: Uh, Jason and uh, Brian will do uh, the bass player and guitar player do backup vocals as well. So, which is awesome. Nice, but
0: you take the lead. But yeah, I take yep, yep, lead vocals. Mm-hmm. And then uh, songwriting wise,
2: yeah, I, um, I, majority I I've written most of the songs. Jason um, has a few that he's he's written as well too, which is awesome. And uh, but yeah, so when when sort of when the band started, I had quite a few songs that were pretty ready to go. So yeah we, we worked those all out and then recorded uh, an album this year. It was a 10 song album um, at uh, uh, Fastback Studios, which was, was a ton of fun to do. That was my first experience in like uh, you a know, professional setting. And so uh, we, we worked that out. I was boy, I'm spending like sixty hours or something. It was, it was a lot of work put
0: into it. So <laughs> that tends to happen with albums, yeah, it's just near the end. It's when just we a- felt,
2: yeah, we felt so ready too. I mean, it was like we did our homework. You know, we had uh, the songs, uh, we had the tempos set. You know, did your pre-production? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'd all been playing to a click track, and we were ready for that. So, uh, but it's just, yeah. I mean, you know, it's the one of those things where I guess you can, no matter how much homework you do, there's always something that's going to come up. So, but it was, it was a blast. Wow.
0: So who came up with the name Subtle Triumph?
2: Uh, that was me. Um, I'm trying to think. I just, it's not, Subtle Triumph doesn't have like any profound meaning. It's just, it's right. more of just like, I like the words. I think yeah. the words I really just, I, they, I think I like the flow of them. I know it can be a little tongue twister, I think the triumph part, but, uh, I don't know, subtle triumph, I also like just the, yeah, the flow of the words and even the meanings behind them, I guess, is sort of sort of an odd thing, I guess, a subtle triumph, you yeah. know, just a, a small victory or <laughs> something like that. <laughs>
0: right, you're going in positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you guys were all really starting to play together, who were the, the big influences? Who, like, who were you guys referencing, other musicians? I
2: think, like, for me, like, lyrically, I'm not nearly as good and I'm not as, poetic as well too but leonard cohen lyrically has always been a huge inspiration and then um i mean the beatles this, this is this some serious foundation. You it, 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 yeah you just you can't avoid it and it's like it always cracks me up when people are just like have this anti-beatles attitude i'm just like why like
0: what? it's like saying it's you're like picking saying out these colors like yeah. i just
2: can't stand the color blue and the color green you know it's like what
0: <laughs> or like hating james brown yeah the right. wizard of oz or something
2: <laughs> yeah so Um, definitely Jason and I clicked very much on like the Beatles and, um, classic, classic bands, I guess you'd say like that. Um, for me too, I know like the Pixies really did it as well too, to have that dynamic of like loud and quiet. And, yeah, and then the melodic part of course too that really may influence
0: nirvana pretty heavily. oh yeah
2: definitely yeah which is funny because i didn't get into the pixies until years later and then it just was like nirvana all over again for me i was just like oh my gosh i have to have the whole catalog and my buddy and i were going out looking for all the bootlegs we could find because you know this is before the internet again like where you could uh, uh just, just find them all it. yeah just immediately click and there's the access so that was that was fun getting all that together but yeah, uh, Talking Heads definitely David Bowie. Um, I mean, those are those are really big for the like Jason. Oh, Arcade Fire that was a big one that Jason and I clicked on for more of like a more modern band that was had some newer sounds going on. That those those influences really I think hit it off for us. And then definitely um, I think Dave Matthews as well too. I'm not Jason like the guitar player loves Dave Matthews. I like him. But, like, that, I think that worked, too, which is funny because I think that comes across in Jason's technical abilities because,
0: like, I mean... Yeah, he always d- gets the best players. Yeah, he
2: really does, yeah. And, and and like, just his ability to, to layer things, I really saw that come out in Jason when we were uh, recording the album. Just, like, just there's all these parts he came up with and was just spending this time in the studio layering all these. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but I trust him fully, and I was, like, it's super excited. And then, you know, right. we listened to it, and I was like, oh, just... like, three guitar parts here, all subtle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they have uh, to be. But really blended well together, and it's just super awesome to see that out, and I know that influence, I think, like, has
0: really helped, too. Yeah, that can really make the difference in a recording.
2: Oh, yeah, no kidding. So that was was just another one of those things that being in the studio where I saw that magic come out
0: uh, from Jason, just was super cool. So the album's called A Better Host. A Better Host, (laughs) yep. And uh, does it have any sort of theme or...
2: We the whole the whole album itself I know deals with a lot of uh, I guess you'd say sort a lot of, of like, allusions
0: to animals and yeah creatures yeah
2: and, which the animals I think tie into uh, like human interaction a lot of, I think that's where I use that and I know I think right that is I think the the tracks I sent you I know the first one the animals behave. I actually got that from um, a children's book. Uh, ch- my, my parents were great about reading uh, literature to me as a child, especially kids' books, and a lot of that just really stuck with me, and I think that helped develop my imagination and creativity. Um, just I, I remember them just so clearly. And one of them was uh, Who's Fox? Who's Coming to Dinner? Uh, or, like, Who's Fox Having for Dinner? And it was all about... This fox who's uh, in his cottage out in the woods and he's starving and he's he wants to invite these animals over to have dinner with him, but his intent is to uh, kill them and eat them. <laughs> mm. So that's where there's one of the lines where you think you hear the fox and the rabbit. And um, so I think a better host, too, sort of ties into that, too, of like, I don't know, just sort of a weird hosting people. It's, uh <laughs> sort of a, a dark host, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: Is this the first full album you've recorded since that one in back in high school, or?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um,
0: definitely. So first, what was it like coming back to that process after?
2: Yeah, it was. It was fun because um, I've dabbled in like home recording, but it just—I mean—it doesn't compare. It's 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 very different, you know, when you're on the clock. Yeah, so. the pressure. The pressure, yeah, exactly. And uh, for me, a big thing that um, I didn't expect was uh, recording the vocals, just being under the microscope like that just hearing every detail. And the guy that I had, Jason Lackey, who was doing it, was really good about catching the way I enunciated things or, you know, said something. Is that the guy with the dog? It
0: is, yeah. I think uh, I had <laughs> yeah. another band on here, Shark Legs. They have the oh, same okay. producer. <laughs> uh, yep, he's a very calm presence. Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely, yeah. Very quiet, very reserved. Uh, says something funny, like, just randomly here and there. like <laughs> Very cool dude. And so uh, it was fun to have him... Record that and then sort of just help me work through getting the vocal tracks as, as best as they could be uh, at the time. So it was fun. I definitely felt like coming out of that, I felt better as a vocalist and almost made me want to take lessons. It's like, gosh, like not and like, you know, just just to improve, you know, yeah, it's your yeah. it's your instrument, too, if you sing. So why not?
0: Yeah, I've been kind of slow to get on board with that. <laughs> whenever I record, I mean, I get very much into the do as much as you can from home. Okay. So you can, you like, pay as little as possible right, for studio right. time, basically. Like, get him to mix, get him to record drums. I can't do any of that stuff, but I try to do the rest myself, including vocal takes, and just get as good a sound environment as I can with, with what I have. Maybe I Which sounds like will eventually about- upgrade from that, but...
2: I mean, from what I listen to, it sounds like you've done a really good job of that. So, oh, yeah. You. sounds very, Sounds very good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I can't imagine doing vocal takes, like, on somebody else's time. Oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah, the next was, level.
2: Yeah, that was the pressure. That was definitely when I felt the pressure. It's just like, you know, it's like even if you've written a song and you know it and you've even sung, you know, a few of them for a few years, it just, uh, it's just different when you're, when you're under that pressure and you have to hear it back and hear those um, – inflections you know things that just those minute details that aren't perfect so but I'm not I'm as a musician I'm not one of those musicians that is a perfectionist like I do care and I want something to be very good which is actually a really good balance between some of the other um, musicians even like Brian the bass player and Jason they're really they want it to be perfect you know they Mm -hmm. like especially Jason is like it it has sort of has to be that perfect take so I think there's a, a good balance between the two of us in that sense where I'm not like I'm almost a little more laid back about it, and Jason's yeah, like, no, yeah. so it ends up working out really well. Because if you're
0: too <laughs> much one way, you're just never going to get what you want. And yeah. If you're too much the other yeah. way, it's like you're also just not going to, the standard's not going to be high enough. Yeah, right?
2: absolutely, yeah. So, so um, meet in the middle. It's a good dynamic.
0: Yeah, like you can never really get something perfect, but I feel like once you just get up to a certain level of quality, it's yeah, like, once you're in that zone, it. you're yeah. good. It's yeah, like exactly. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's all you can ask for. So And you guys have been playing gigs for a while. Yeah. Before that.
2: um. We have. It was. Uh, I mean, our first gigs was last uh, last July. We we booked like we got. We we're overzealous and booked like three shows in July for some reason, just mm. going for it. And uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, I mean, they've all been fun a lot, a lot. All the shows we've been playing have been a blast. And then uh, Jason and Tram. I mean, they're always out. Like I, I, I guess you would say networking. So they have a really. Um, like a good mix of friends that really come out and support us, which has been really awesome to, to make the shows, you know, a little yeah. more worth the energy up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, your so, music kind of demands that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's been really cool. The shows, the shows are a blast. Definitely. I love playing shows.
0: Um, Do you have a preference for performing over recording or you, you like them both in different Ooh, ways? That's
2: funny you asked that. Like it definitely, it, I think it got to a point with a lot of the shows cause we're playing shows, I, I would say pretty frequently. And then, after we spent time in the studio, it's, like, one of those things where, like, if money wasn't an object to be in a studio that nice, I would love to spend, like, equal amounts of time in the studio as, like, as well as performing. Because, I mean, it's, like, you know, you're, you're working on your what you're presenting, so. Yeah. Uh, and I, I absolutely I, – I do love being in the studio. That's why I enjoy, like, home recording and working on it as much as I can because you're not on the clock and you can – tinker with things as much as you'd like, practice this, try this harmony out, see if this guitar part works and and not have to be stressed about time. Um, but the studio is, is so much fun. Yeah. I, I love the studio. I think definitely as much as I love playing
0: shows. So when you're songwriting, what does your process look like? Usually? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Where does that start um, for you?
2: It definitely is, it goes about two ways. I think A pretty common one is I'll just hear something, I'll be playing on guitar and something will just pop out at me and I will go with it and just work on it relentlessly. Like if it's a part that, whether I'm changing the structure, I need like changing the the tempo of the riff or you know, I'll just work at it until I feel like it's, it's right. And then like put a melody on top of that, start mixing with melodies. And then usually it's like, I'll have ideas like in a bank as far as like lyrics and I'll just pull one of those and go with them. Um, But there's also times where it's just, you know, words will pop into my head too and I'll go with that. I don't think that's as common as a songwriting where like I'll have a phrase that'll come into my head and then I'll use that phrase and try and put music to it. I feel like it's easier when you have the music Mm -hmm. to work with that and then put the words on top of it, which is I I find more often is what I end up doing.
0: So that's the way I used to be more is I'd generate the music. Okay. Maybe I'd start at the piano. I'd have chords and stuff. Yeah. So I was doing that a lot more in the past but I'm finding recently I have the uh the opposite of what you're experiencing where I go more towards the just a phrase coming to yeah. me and I build off of that
2: I I it's funny I think like if I prefer something I, I feel like it's neater I don't know like to have words that you you're building it around like because I think then the words become more important you know as opposed to like Throwing words on top of music that you've already been working on, I feel like the, that's always it's, it's an unpleasant challenge. I think. It is though, and I feel like I think that's the thing is I feel like it is more challenging to to write like that. Although that's where I would like to head for my direction of writing.
0: <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of songs that are like you finished them right before getting to lyrics. They're just they're stuck at instrumental <laughs> oh, oh yeah. status.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I probably have quite a few of those, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> so, do you ever collaborate with other people during that? writing process or you just present the song to the band fully formed?
2: That, definitely both ways. There's songs where, um, if i f- completed a song it, that's the fastest way that we'll get a song worked out. Like where I'll like bring the song to the band and show them or I'll pre-record it at home. I'll do like a, my own solo recording, send it to them, wait for their approval. And if they're like, they're on board and they want to do it, um, we'll play it. And then those ones usually, those ones usually get finished a lot quicker. Which it makes sense because there's less, you know, it's just it's one, I guess, coming from one direction, and then of course they'll add, uh, you know, say, well, let's do a change here, or let's, you know, they'll t- well, the band will tinker with it. We'll add some chords here. Let's do this part, or even add entire different sections at the ending of a song or in the middle, which is which is awesome because, you know, it's a lot to trying just to to write like to be the sole writer, yeah. like which which Jason writes too though, but like to have the majority of that like pressure to be writing for the band. Um, But then there's also times where um, Jason and I will get together and we'll work on stuff together, which I I really enjoy doing that. That's a lot of fun where me and him will all bring a song to him or or he'll have a song and we'll like work on that together. But usually when when Jason, it seems like when he has a song, he has it pretty, like he knows exactly where he's going with it. Like Mm. structurally has it all pretty written out. But uh, yeah, it's it's nice working on stuff together too before bringing it to the band because then... Be the song itself is stronger and more ready to be worked on.
0: Yeah, fine. Like when you bring other people into it, you can kind of expand the the world of it. Oh yeah, yeah, sense. absolutely. Like, yep. Just an interesting way to end it, or like you add an extra yep. part or aspect to the chorus that you wouldn't have had before. Like if you're just generating them by yourself, sometimes they can start to just be too simplistic. Oh, or yeah, and resemble each other too much.
2: I definitely fall into that. Like I definitely fall into that. Code. there's been songs where I think I brought them and. It just was either something that's too similar to a song we were, like that was written like last song or two songs ago, and so it's just like eh, that's that's not gonna work. <laughs>
0: hmm. But that's great. I mean, after just a year or two, you generated enough music for a full length.
2: Yeah, it's pretty quick into it. Yeah, it really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we still have. I mean, I feel like right now we have a lot
0: left over too.
2: Yeah, there's there's like, still. The I mean, because when we recorded it, I think there would say I think there's like four or five other songs that like we play. But we didn't choose to put on it, and then maybe there's some new ones that developed right up. Actually, it's funny. My my favorite song at the moment I wrote uh, in January of this year, and it's like it's just funny. As soon as that song comes out, you're like, ah, I wish this could have been on the album. Yeah. But I guess it's always good to have that, you yeah. know,
0: repertoire for future. You don't <laughs> want to be done and then just back to zero. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that could but, get a little stressful.
2: Which is funny because where we're at right now, I feel like there's a little bit not necessarily pressure, but I definitely I feel the need to. Be writing newer stuff now. You know, I feel like that's where I'm at now. I definitely have a problem. I feel like a lot of musicians can definitely maybe have this too, where like uh, you you work out stuff. You have your set, you're playing, and then you get really tired of it. You know, you get tired of that song. You don't want to play that song anymore. Which you know you have to remember that when you're playing it for a newer crowd or different people, they've it's never. It's totally heard new it. for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So it's it's yeah. it's like having that. I feel like it's a funny thing as a musician is that having that energy to always present your songs like they're almost new to you or you your band just learned them is like really important and definitely something I like need to work on as a musician to to keep that energy because you know an audience I think will feel that and they'll feed off of that too like as opposed to the song you've played a hundred times or the song you you know just got down and played it 10 times or 15 mm-hmm. so
0: yeah I, I can still get to that with songs that I've just heard over and over again. But it has to be a live performance, like, in front of people. I can't yeah. get that same feeling practicing at home or in the space oh, right. of the yeah, group actually, anymore. right. Yep. It's like yeah. no point. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I really look forward to hearing you guys on July 29th. Yeah, July 29th. Lo-fi. Yeah, album release. <laughs> um, and you guys, uh, do you have any plans to tour in the future, perhaps? None yet. Leave, um, leave Seattle at all? <laughs> I, I would...
2: I would love to tour. Uh, of course, life, it gets so busy. Um, mm. It would be one of those things where I don't, I don't even know if it's even a possibility. It would be like if it was a – like somehow a tour fell in our laps that was like totally worth our while. Yeah. I guess. You know, we're not – I don't want to do like a load up the van and drive down the coast and spend more money. You know, come back. Yeah, like broke. <laughs> broke and $1,000 shorter. Uh, it would have to be one of those like like if some band that like – liked us and they're yeah. like hey do you want to tour well, open for us on a yeah, tour yeah, like, yeah of course yeah you know?
0: i've heard other people express that yeah i, I I'm thought sure. <laughs> too yeah but no that's probably a smart way to go i'm always like i sometimes think about the idea of playing out more like even if it was just me or just me and one other person like leaving the immediate area playing here or there places that i haven't been to before haven't yeah. been to very much but i'm just like how do you Ensure that anybody will is going to show be there. up. That's always, <laughs> yeah. That's such a daunting idea to me. I don't know how people do it, but hey, with the internet these days, all the uh, the options to get your music out there in different ways besides getting in a van and right. going around.
2: That is nice. It's a I, lot of
0: yeah, a lot of different ways to go about it.
2: Yeah, I think we're. I mean, when we release really it on 29th, we'll be streaming it as well on oh, iTunes that's great. and Spotify. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jason did a really good job at, at setting that up and figuring that out, um, which was which was awesome. He's he's super helpful, but yeah, so it'll be streaming up there and and, uh, and we we just just the other day like purchased the physical copies because it seems like something that's relevant to yeah. still have at shows. So yeah, still, <laughs> still I guess. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, we, we had to talk about it. Yeah, it was definitely those things where like, do we should we buy? CDs or not? I mean, because like I'm still us. holding
0: out. I'm I got my download cards. And I'm I'm waiting to see <laughs> yeah. if it's worth it to go further than that.
2: We did the download cards too, so I, it could be one of those things where oh, just a majority of our family, I'll buy the CDs. <laughs> <But> we'll see. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I mean, even if you get a bunch and you don't get a, don't get them into other people's hands right away, even if they just sit there for a while, they're yeah. still there for right for yeah. later. You never Absolutely. know. I guess. Yeah, I'm just I'm afraid of the whole like Just having a box of a thousand CDs that aren't going anywhere, just sitting somewhere, taking up space. Exactly.
2: We just started with a hundred, (laughs) so we'll see. Good good place to start. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) All right, man. I'll see you there.
2: Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Christopher Israel Bishop, everybody. Looking forward to playing with his band on the 29th. So, if you liked this episode of talking about the passion, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Sign up for the Niagara Moon mailing list. If you would like to get weekly updates on the podcast and for Niagara Moon, go to niagramoonmusic.com and scroll down to enter in your email address. I won't spam you. Find the podcast on Facebook at Talking About the Passion. I'm also on Twitter at TATP Podcast and on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. If you want to write to me with any suggestions, questions, or comments about the podcast, You can email TATPPodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for Talking About the Passion is the Niagara Moon Song Pantheon Bar off my recent album, Eating Peaches. We have two more Subtle Triumph songs coming up now, Animals Behave, followed by Off the Dock. Thank you very much for listening, and be sure to tune in again next Wednesday.
1: me